Welcome to the Human Conversation Podcast with Jules White, the real dragon slayer, author and entrepreneur sales coach. Tune in weekly for human conversation about business and sales. Enjoy business expert interviews, educational episodes, and virtual cuppers with entrepreneur business owners. So grab yourself a cuppa and enjoy. Here is your host, Jules White. So welcome everybody to the human conversation. And I have a, well, a fabulous guest with me this week. Um, And a lot of my listeners will know this guy because we are very much on the LinkedIn circuit, all of us. So this is John Esperian. He is the relentlessly helpful technical copywriter and LinkedIn nerd. Hello, John. (laughs) <laughs> Hello, Jules, and thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's really nice to have you on my podcast. I know we have talked about doing this for a little while. Um, the the horrible viruses got me over Christmas. I think they got you too. So, but we are here and we are chatting. We're having a human conversation. I want to know everything about you. So I'm going to start at the beginning, and I'm going to ask you what was it that you wanted to do when you left school. Oh, blimey. Well, that's going back a while. I I originally thought I wanted to be a biochemist, actually. Um, But I was told during uh, at the time when I was choosing my A-levels, I was told, no, that's you're not going to get the grades for that. You're going to need so and so and so and so and you're not going to get that. And then I got those grades and more, to be honest. So um, I could have actually I could have gone down that route. But in the end, I decided to do what I was best at at the time, which was maths. I didn't really like maths in university and then subsequently I discovered writing but I think I think I always thought I'd do something with computers but of course back then no one had the internet access so you know working on a computer was a little bit unusual when I was in school but these days it's like every single job involves it. Don't you think it's interesting how we are told that we are not going to do something or we are not able to do something Um, And actually, that can be really detrimental to us, especially when we're young, because it can actually, we could actually believe that. You went and got the grades, but was it because at that point you almost decided that's not something you could do, so you went on a different path? Well, yeah, I mean, the teachers said, you know, you're not going to be able to do this. So so I thought, well, all right, well, they'll know better than I do. So fair enough. My mum wanted me to follow in her footsteps and be a, a doctor. She's a G- She was a GP. Um, but I was squeamish. So I, I don't think I could ever really have gone down that route. Um, but yeah, so 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 I just I just believed what I was told. I suppose that, that's the innocence of youth, isn't it? I mean, these days, if someone told me I, you can't do this, I'd probably think twice and go, I can, you know, I'm ready to, you know, work hard, do my research, this, that and the other and and get there. But uh, back then, yeah, I just uh, received wisdom and then you just go down a different route, don't you? Yeah, you do. And I think uh, my my sort of journey leaving school, left school at 16, John, I wasn't academic at all. All I wanted Mm -hmm. to do was get to work and earn some money. (laughs) Um, And I told my English teacher who I was really scared of, that I had got a job in NatWest Bank at the tender age of 16. And he turned around to me and he said, job for life, job for life, that is. (laughs) And and it was that moment where 
I thought he really hated me and actually almost confirmed that he was actually quite proud of me at 16 yeah. years old, yeah. you know. But, you know, it's not a job for life and it wasn't a job for life. And yet, you know, the attitude back then was that you should stay in a job for life. And it's yeah. interesting how it's changed, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I think these days, you know, more and more people becoming self-employed. If you can, can take control of your own situation, that, that that can be your job for life. If you're willing to, if you've got enough of a direction and enough of a motivation to really work hard and make it happen. And it makes a massive difference when that, you know, that paycheck that's coming in is because of your efforts. It really motivates you to keep doing that thing. So um, yeah. for me, I, I would... Um, I'd never hop back into that old way of working at a desk job or whatever. I'm, I'm more than happy being boss of myself. Yeah. I mean, and I always say to people, I am totally unemployable now. <laughs> so I'm really hoping I don't have to go and get a job ever again, John. <laughs> Same here. Yeah, absolutely. But look, you've, you've gone to uni. You took maths at uni, you mentioned. Yeah, I took maths and computer science. And when I came out... Um, I ended up working as a software and hardware tester and being a quality control kind of person. What ended up happening, even though I didn't really like English in school, is I, I had to look at all these difficult to read user manuals and working out what buttons meant and why things weren't working. And I ended up being the guy who would explain how stuff worked to the people I was around, you know. When it does this, what it really means is this, this, and this. And they go, all oh, right, I get it now. Um, and I had to read, I had to listen to people's phone calls in call centers, and I had to read people's terrible emails that they'd send to customers. And go, don't say it, don't say that. Why, why not say this? You know, they might not complain then. And all of those things turned into me editing and reviewing and writing content. You know, yeah. again, this is kind of just in the early days of the internet. Um, and then, of course, a lot of us got made redundant and I, and I couldn't get an interview. My daughter had just been born. Um, I thought, well, really, I'm going to have to just try and make a fist of this myself. So I did. And um, very thankfully, you know, I, I managed those first difficult few months and I'm still here 10 years later doing the same kind of thing. That, that's really incredible. I know a lot of the people who will be listening have, have probably uh, started their businesses more recently than 10 years ago. So yes. actually, you are a pro at this, John, you know, having, having gone through that many years, because it's no mean feat. You will have seen a recession or two, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, it was, you know, it was just the, the yeah, horrible, horrible times around then where lots of people were losing their job. And, you know, indeed, mine went and, you know, that work was thin on the ground. But thankfully, there wasn't as much competition, I suppose, in the self-employed space. But having said that, it's not as if I really properly started with a good business head because I'd never run a business. I didn't know what it took. I just knew that I was desperate and needed to do something. So mm -hmm. I had a very, very basic website. I didn't have any social media presence of any significance for the first five years of my business. So it's to a lot of people, it would have seemed as though I was, I didn't exist. I wasn't around. Um, so, so it took about five years before I started creating regular content and having a presence on social media. And then in the last few years is when it's really escalated. And now I get, you know, I'm going to get pretty good engagement on my stuff on LinkedIn, for example. And people will think, oh yeah, well, it's easy for you. You get hundreds of comments on everything you write. Yeah, but it wasn't like that a few years ago. No. And, I, and I'm, I'm still doing now the things I was doing back then. It's just 
I just keep turning up and keep doing the same thing and eventually people will start paying attention to you. Yeah, that's, no, that's the bit that no one wants to actually do. No, they don't. And, you know, we are, I want to talk about LinkedIn with you because it's going to be a great conversation, that one. Obviously, that's where we've met and, and you mm. are uh, an absolute LinkedIn nerd, as we described <laughs> at the beginning. And that's meant from a pure place of love, you know, because uh, you, you have huge wealth of knowledge around LinkedIn that we all love because of the way you tell it to us, which actually ties in with when you talk about your technical uh, writing the way you yeah. can sort of make something that probably is very complicated into something people can understand yeah. which is your, your thing isn't it um, <laughs> yeah. I think you do the same with LinkedIn that's sort of how I feel but look we will talk about LinkedIn sure. what, what I want to kind of talk about is you've, you've said there something really interesting that really it's only the last five years that you really started to become more visible and have a website have your social media presence but actually John when we look at the last 10 years do you not think that's almost how the world has gone and so actually 10 years ago did we really care and use uh, you know the internet and social media the way we do today well no definitely not I mean if you look at things like Twitter and Facebook and stuff you know they they were around in the mid noughties but no one was really thinking, oh, we can monetize this. We can use this as a keystone part of our business. And, and you know, so, so it hasn't really been that long before people have really woken up. Yeah. But things are really ramping up now. So I, I guess it was just a lot easier for me when I did start, even though I was starting under difficult conditions. But if I was starting now, if I started now and didn't do anything for five years in, in terms of website and social media, I think I'd be stuffed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah. so, so if, if there are any new business owners who are watching this or prospective business owners or trying to get out of the corporate rat race, want to do it for myself kind of people, you need to come up with a plan to be visible in your space where the place where you want to become known become an authority you need to kind of get cracking with that idea now because it'll it'll take a while to bear fruit mm. and if you don't start now it's going to be really hard in the future i don't know what what five ten years down the line is going to look like to be honest no. because already in some areas it feels quite saturated like social media is already becoming quite mature people becoming more cynical towards the stuff that they read mm. there's, there's so many people on it that it's hard to stand out unless you're going to do something really kind of next level amazing and it's difficult to do that it um, is so, and yeah. i think you know we've talked before and um, i've actually uh, purchased your really lovely course that you had an online course i think it's i'm sure it's still available we'll make sure we yes. put all the links in john it is lovely when i when i watched that it was video based and it was so great i think i consumed it really quickly because it was so easy for me to pick pick it up and also i was able to take action from it which is why i loved it um, so that's not just because you're my guest that i'm saying all that <laughs> that's a true story um, but i think that's the point you know um in what we're talking about here is that not just about what platforms we're on and you know the fact it is now getting noisy and saturated the whole beauty of this is what we really have to be is authentic and and us and you know i talk about uhp as you know which is the unique human proposition but that's because there's no one else on the planet like john and there's no one else on the planet like jules and i think we have to really step into our personality and our authenticity and that's where we'll carry on being able to be 
uh, on social media and standing out. That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, that's a good, it's a really good point because I know when I first got started creating content for the public, if I look back at that content now, it's all so boring and straight laced and it's not me. <laughs> no. It's, it's, it's what I would call suit and tie content, whereas I'm jeans and t-shirt content, really, yeah. if I were to be me. And in the last few years is when, because when you repeat creating this kind of content, eventually you kind of relax and get used to it. You know the process, you become more familiar with things and it's natural to start letting your voice come through. It, you know, it takes a while to get yeah. that confidence and that experience under your belt. But when you start talking like a real human being, which is such a basic tip, yeah. when you start writing stuff that if you spoke it out loud would still sound natural to you, it doesn't sound as though it's written, mm -hmm. you could have just said it, then that's when people start to resonate with what you've got to say. So um, there's, a, there's a lot of, I don't know, there's kind of a lot of institutional educational stuff that you've got to untangle to get there because we're always taught to, you know, long fancy sentences long words you know this is the weasel words that professors would use and build up to a conclusion and, and all of these kind of things that we learned in school mm. that, that are not really true because they, you know in the real world people just want you to get to the point and if yeah. you can explain it simply if you can explain it simpler than the next person can then then the people are going to listen to you and you know there's all sorts of examples from everywhere, uh, politics being the most obvious one at the moment. If you keep a really simple message and drill that, um, people will pay attention and, and believe you, whether you're <laughs> behind the scenes, whether you're being honest about that is another matter. But if you keep yeah. your communication simple, you just, you can unlock so much in people. And I think the interesting thing that you said there was that we, it's ingrained in us to do it this way. You know, we've yeah. been taught it has to be this way. Probably you and I even more so because we're that little bit older. Yeah. But even in schools now, I've got 15 year old son. John, I think you've got children. How old are your children? Yeah, just the one and she's 10. But right. she, even, even she's being taught things like fronted adverbials, you know, so you get, <laughs> and, and no human talks like that. Once you leave school, you're not going to have a conversation that, that looks anything like that. You're never going to write that either. You're not going to do that in your, in your day-to-day -day job. So, so it's just, it seems so stupid that you've got to jump through these hurdles just to get through an exam for, yeah. for, for something so arbitrary that you will never genuinely use exactly. uh, in later life. But yes, we do need to do a lot of untangling. Yeah. And that makes my, that makes my job difficult because I'm, I'm trying to tell people, forget all this stuff that you've learned. Here yeah. we go. Here, I've written some really simple copy for you, and trust me, people like this more than the, the fancy stuff. Yeah, I love that, and 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 I also think it's the same for me in sales. You know, I'm now saying to businesses, stop chasing the targets, and start looking at the relationship with your buyers. Um, and whilst we have, I think, got a grip of the relationship selling. We're still chasing targets. It's still the priority. And actually, we'll hit those targets if we build the right relationships and we focus on the right things. And it's yeah. exactly the same as what you're saying with how we're writing copy, how we're putting ourselves out there and being visible. It's exactly the same thing, John. Yeah, well, I think there's so many people who are in... I mean, I'm not a sales coach, but when I see people selling at me... I'm thinking, what the hell are you doing? I, I, don't, I don't even know you. And you're just giving me some long screed of text about how you can help me. And could you put in me in touch with all of your connections who might benefit from my service? Like, what? <laughs> who are you? You know, so 
I, I think there's so so many people are in need of help from people like you and how to how to do it you know not at 100 miles an hour just yeah yeah talk to people first is a good good starting strategy i think and the same with you and how you're teaching us to to sort of embrace the linkedin side okay so look technical copywriting we just yeah. i want to just finish up with this because this yeah. is what you do mm -hmm. um is this your core business then would you say to the listener? yeah it, it is and I, and i've put technical in there because and a lot of people sometimes get confused by this because they assume it means technology it's not quite the same thing when you when you talk about a copywriter really you're talking about someone who sells or influences through words they get you to buy something or they get you to support a charity or a political cause it's all about selling or influence a technical copywriter doesn't focus on that they focus on educating and informing and making things really clear and simple in a very neutral way this is how this works this is how to boil an egg you know it, it's it's very kind of perfunctory simple um uh, goal-based kind of writing and that, that's what i specialize in so if you wanted me to explain how a remote control works or a boiler installation works or how a credit card payment system works these are the things that i'm best at or writing an hr policy for example because you've got to be clear factual there's no kind of emotional bias kind of thing coming into it mm. so so that's what i do um, and because most of my a lot of my clients who work in b2b and, and a lot of them want um, quite a bit of privacy about around um, the fact that they use a, an external writer. Mm. And so I can't really talk about those subjects when I, when I do things like, I can't really do normal case studies. I can't really talk about this kind of stuff on social yeah. media. Yeah. That's why I've chosen when I go on places like LinkedIn to just explain how LinkedIn works, because that's something that, that that demonstrates my ability to explain. And that's really what I'm selling to you. So if you've got, if you're the kind of person who's got a service that isn't easy to understand, then then maybe someone like me could help you elaborate so that we get to the point with your customers and they go, oh yeah, I probably do need that. All right. Yeah. I could I could see why you're you're the right choice. So a technical writer just does that explaining stuff and which is great for support material and is, is just generally good for the people, the kind of person who wants to get educated before they buy. And I think yeah. we're we're getting more of those kind of consumers now. You know, they, they don't just go I need to buy a car. Let's go down to the garage and see what's available. They, they, you know, they'll, they'll research everything and what kind yeah. of catalytic converter has this got? Yeah. And, and yeah. let's compare this and this. And, and so a technical writer is really good at explaining that stuff in a neutral in a neutral way. So I think this kind of writing is is becoming more popular now. I think it's really interesting to hear you talk about the difference because you know I wouldn't necessarily have really known what you've just told me. So it is interesting yes. just to educate yeah. us as sort of listeners. I looked at a statistic the other day, John. Now I'm not big on stats because I like mm -hmm. stories because you know me, um, but statistics can be quite powerful sometimes. And it said that people are 70% down the way of deciding yeah. what they want to buy before they even talk to a salesperson. And yes. so actually the, stuff, mm. the work you're doing is within that 70% to get them to sort of choose to speak to, to that particular client. Yes, it, it, that is, I think, probably the key argument for taking a content marketing approach to explaining how your business works, because you answer every question or as many questions as you can that a prospective buyer would have about your business and you turn them into an educated buyer. 
And so if they're the kind of person who does their research, which more and more people are becoming like that, then they're more likely to buy from you. It's no guarantee that your service is any better, but at least if you're the person who's explaining things clearly, you've got a much better competitive advantage over someone who doesn't show up, doesn't explain how anything works, doesn't tell you what the price is, doesn't isn't transparent about what the problems might be or who might not be a good fit. So all of these things can be explained through um, good, good copywriting in general, but yes, uh, technical writing is well suited to it. So yeah, and I think the stat, the stat that you mentioned comes from Google's uh, zero moment of truth uh, report from, I'm not sure when it was, 2011 mm. maybe, or maybe earlier. Um, and yes, more and more of the buying decision is being made online. And that means that, you know, marketing and sales is, is kind of changing because we're just dealing with so many more educated customers now. You can't lie to them anymore. You can't, you can't sweep stuff under the carpet, under the rug anymore. Um, you've got to be more open and transparent. And yeah, that, that just means answering their questions. So that's the, that's the kind of thing I tend to be decent at <laughs> i think it's really funny i was giggling because when you said you can't lie to them anymore you know i kind of think of that old school training that i had you know where, where it was like the salesperson's king the buyer doesn't know anything you know and you just oh, think oh my yeah. goodness you know but in the, i mean in the old days if you said we're the number one training company in the in the in in the state or the country how how difficult would it be for someone to go to go and check that really yeah it's exactly. really hard exactly. these days you could you could go hang on you've got a one-star review on Trustpilot. blah 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 <laughs> you're, you're full of it yeah. but you couldn't do that before so, so it was much easier to, to 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 get away with all sorts but the yeah. internet has kept us accountable it, has, do it, anymore. It, it certainly has and it, it's great that you phrase it that way we are accountable because of this internet and um, so just to finish your, your technical writing side do you work with specific sectors or is this kind of like anything yeah it's pretty much anything in b2b i mean i i started off trying to target it because that's where i was working for about 10 years Mm. but it is it's just encompassed so many different things that i I consider myself to be a b2b generalist but you know so but it's still you know lots of lots of areas being covered but some people would say oh technical copywriting is such a narrow niche that you've really niched. I, f- I feel more like a generalist. Yeah. If I was starting again today, I'd say B2B technical copywriter for US healthcare companies. Uh, that's That would be a niche for me yeah. these days. Yeah. But for me, um, over the last 10 years, it's worked out that I can cover pretty much every B2B field. So it's been... Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I kind of feel like your niche is the technical writing personally. Yeah. But, you know, I think we, yeah. we, ha- we don't have to get too hung up on having to be in a sector per se. But I think that, you know, what you do is actually niche in its own right. So, yeah, um, I mean, when when I when I interview people, I always tell them interview clients. I always tell them my job is to be um, an intelligent ignoramus. So in other words, (laughs) I don't I don't know what it is that you want to say, but I'm going to ask you questions as a customer would in their head and try and dig out what is special about your business and, and yeah. how can we position it and how can we get to the root of what's what's really happening and what what things we need to highlight or not highlight so so i'm there to kind of you know just 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 be an interrogator yeah then an exposer of of that information it doesn't really matter if i don't know about boilers yeah for example exactly. i yeah. can still work out 
what things people would want to know and then get to the root of how to express that probably better when you don't know about it as you say because then you're coming from that layperson perspective as well yeah because there's, there's this thing i mean i mentioned it i think in the linkedin loser talk that there's this thing of the curse of knowledge of like yeah. you can know you can be too close to something and think oh well obviously they'll know this so obviously yeah. they won't know that but i find when i've shared tips on linkedin about writing and i think oh this is this is actually really obvious they go oh i don't i didn't know that yeah like, oh you know people out there don't know some of this stuff no they don't and i it, think it's, it's great sharing the simple stuff yeah yeah same same with me you know i used to at the beginning and when halfway through my book i said oh i'm not going to write this any longer because everybody knows this stuff and i was yeah. like oh my goodness i'm so glad i finished it and um, yes. so look i want to just talk a little bit about linkedin and sure. then i also want to mention another book because I think that's going to be very interesting to mention. Do you see what I did there, John? Did <laughs> I did. Smooth, nice isn't it? Yeah. Um, so uh, LinkedIn. So yeah. you're on LinkedIn. Everybody knows John. I talk, I, my dad was John, so I always say everybody knew my dad. Um, everybody knows John. Uh, you get tagged into so many things. I know I'm in the circle that follows you, but your content is just so easy to, to follow. It's so rich. Um, and I just think that's the beauty of what you do. You make it fun, but it's also great practical advice. I can go and action it. I, I kind of love what you do. So, so why don't you tell the listeners a bit more about why they should follow you on LinkedIn, John? Well, I've made my name on LinkedIn, I think, through explaining how LinkedIn works. So if you're the kind, whatever business you're in, actually, you can get some value from my content, I think, because you can learn how to improve your profile to, to stand out to your ideal clients, how to get in, uh, kind of in touch with all the little intricacies that go on with LinkedIn about certain settings that they've introduced that no one else seems to know about that, that completely mess things up if you get them wrong. So that kind of explainer content is i hope relatively simple to consume and will get you results in that you'll get more people seeing your stuff and you'll write your content and your profile in a way that appeals more to your ideal audience so it's kind of general and specific lessons about linkedin which uh, yes i'd like to think would be uh, relevant to anyone who works who uses bit linkedin to support their business which is now many yes. millions of people so many and you know more and more people now are, are, are making it their favorite platform aren't they and it's interesting because it's moving like all the platforms it's moving the algorithms change yes. how do you keep up with that knowledge so that you can then keep passing it on to us john well, I'm in a couple of ways. I mean, firstly, I'm an inveterate fiddler, you know, so if I see a button, <laughs> I will be clicking that button. If I see a menu, I'll be looking, what, what have they put in there then? So I always will do that. And if I find something new that I haven't seen anyone else talk about, I will grab a screenshot and do a post and it'll be out there in the world because I love sharing information. Yeah. And it's part of my brand identity, really. The, the, my whole core value is about being relentlessly helpful. Well, if I found something out and I didn't share it, how helpful is that? Not very. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I like educating people and showing people how stuff works. Yeah. Um, but I also keep in touch with lots of other proper LinkedIn trainers. I wouldn't call myself a proper LinkedIn trainer yet, but I am starting to move into that field. So I'm, I'm starting to do sort of 
uh, on stage talks and I've even got a couple of LinkedIn training sessions planned in person which I've never really done before but um, I've talked to established proper LinkedIn trainers who, who you know kind of regularly run sessions on LinkedIn and uh, we all kind of very, it's a very collegiate atmosphere you know you people will share what they know there's no hiding of facts really no. so, so, so it's a good way of keeping in touch but to be honest it is difficult to stay on top of it because this platform seems to change faster than just about any other that you can think of. Yeah. I think it's because LinkedIn is playing catch up a lot with I think, yeah. Facebook yeah. And, and the other ones that have been around for longer. Um, mm. But uh, it, it's really changing. You know, we, we're getting more new features all the time, things that are turning into a proper social network. And of course the user base is growing. So you always get these new people coming onto the platform who don't know it very well. They, they, they used to, 28 hashtags on Instagram and everything yeah. being an image post versus, well, actually, text posts work here and don't use as many hashtags and you get more reach. Oh, that's yeah. different. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, so there's, a lot to, <clears throat> there's a lot to keep up with. But um, <clears throat> as I say, you know, I, I just love sharing that information. If I, if I wasn't making a profit out of being on LinkedIn, I'd probably do it as a hobby anyway. Oh. That probably tells you everything, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it uh, does. About how sad I am. But yeah, no, I, I, I no, do. No, you're not sad, John. You're not <laughs> sad. And we love you and we love following your content because of the way you do it. And, you, you know, you are very unique. We're, we're all unique. But, you know, it's the way you've done it. How about Bitmo, John? <laughs> yes you can barely see him, you might oh, see him. when you're on youtube and you're not listening audio <laughs> he's actually got a t-shirt on with his bitmoji on so if you, have, yeah. if you have heard of bitmojis um then you would know that we can create our own persona in in the way of a cartoon really isn't it john i guess yeah that's it um, I, was, I got into that a few years ago and so now I, I put my cartoon on pretty much everything I do on LinkedIn. It's just a, another one of my calling cards, really, as well as the, the brand identity that I fashioned. But, you know, your colour scheme, your cartoons, logos, it all feeds in. If you do it consistently, yeah. then it means that when someone is thumb scrolling at a million miles an hour through their LinkedIn feed or whatever social media it happened to be, if they see something recognisable, they, they, they either stop and read it or they might think oh yeah, yeah i remember that person yeah even if they don't stop and read it they'll go yeah i know i know that person's still alive and doing stuff and if i need a copywriter yeah he's the guy is, mm -hmm. is that is that idea being the same shape everywhere yes. which is what i'm what i'm you know the, the one of the main messages that i'm trying to put into the book that i'm writing so, but before we go to the book i yes. just want to mention obviously um you call it your talks i call it a, a course Yes. Um, but it's a series of three videos um, yeah, it is available right. the link will be in the comments of the podcast but you know what it's such amazing value so I'm plugging it because I've actually bought it and used it it's fabulous I think anyone listening needs to just go and look for it and click on the link and buy it because it's it's great so then we get <laughs> the uh, the even greater value of the fact that John has written a book yes. John tell us about your book Sure. Well, the, the book is called Content DNA. Uh, for the YouTube viewers, you can see a preview of it about there. <laughs> You've got to um, watch this on YouTube, haven't you, really? That's yes. the fact. <laughs> um, so so that it's been written. It's, it's in typesetting stage at the moment, and it will be published at Atomicon, the conference in Newcastle this uh, April. Um, so I'm releasing it as paperback and ebook and audiobook as well. And it's aimed for business owners who want to have better control over their brand identity 
and the content that they create to try and market their business. Whether they choose to then implement all of that themselves or outsource it to trusted individuals to, to do the actual legwork is, is up to them. But it's good, to, I think, to understand what it means to have a personal brand and to define the shape of that brand and make sure that it is in every single nook and cranny of what your where your business is and what it does um, and also that it's it's so so important to commit to creating content that services that brand over a long period so whereas i could very easily say hey just place play some google ads and place some facebook ads and you'll get seen and a very small proportion of those people will buy your stuff and all well and good but we don't know what ads is going to look like in some years time we don't know how expensive they'll be we don't know what competition there'll be for them but what we do know is that the moment you stop paying for them you ain't going to get any visibility at all and that's a, right. that's bad news yeah but if you if you commit to the idea of building something of your own a content library a content estate footprint whatever you want to call it and keep growing it over time then if, you, if, it, if that content is relevant enough to your business, people will who are searching for answers before making a purchase of a product or a service will, in time, they will find your stuff and they'll read more and more of your stuff or they'll listen to your podcast if that's what you decide to do or they'll watch your videos if that's what you decide to do. It doesn't really matter what medium you use. You just mm. have to use something that suits you and suits your audience. Mm. But if you can define a brand and stick at it for long enough, so that's congruence and consistency, do those two things and you will create a business whose content will serve it for potentially years and years to come. And there are countless success stories from people who have used this method. Um, I, I like to think that I'm one of them, but there are plenty of others who've done the same. I have interviewed several people in the book as well who've given insights into how they run their businesses. Um, and it's full of tips on, you know, creating content that actually makes a difference in your business. I am excited about reading it. Um, I think it, if it's as good as your online course, your talks, then I'm definitely looking forward to reading it, John. Oh, it's so, much better than that. <laughs> well, that's we'll even better then, you <laughs> see. That's even better. Um, I think I'd like to just finish with my sort of last question. And it's not one I always ask every uh, person, because again, as I said to you, this is the human conversation. I never really know what I'm going to say, John. But I kind of want to ask you what you want to leave the audience with, you know, kind of a final thought from John, from Bitmo John. What would you tell us? Uh, the final thought, well, I always, I always get annoyed that people jump into sales instead of trying to build relationships. So I would say that the real gold on, in building your business, and, and, and especially in today's online world, is to just invest a bit more time in getting to know people publicly through things like social media comments, but also privately through things like direct messages. You, you, know, you don't have to be salesy or sleazy to, to get into someone's DMs and just start talking to them. But I've been doing that for years now, and it means that I've got friends online who had a, if I were in, if I were in trouble or if I needed, if I needed a recommendation for someone, I could always pick someone in my network as a go-to person. And if you don't have many of those people in your network, you've, you've got to just set about finding more of them. So just take some of the sales out of your 
out of your process and put more conversation into it and i think that will that will bear fruit it will take time but all of my methods take time to be honest there's no there's no quick fix you know there's no easy button but if you invest in relationships um, i think that's the best way to build a, a truly human business such wise words uh, my kind of selling john my kind of selling exactly um, yeah we're on the same page there. we are totally we talk the same language i knew we would i've totally loved talking to you on the human conversation and thank you so much for joining me i hope the listeners have had real little golden nuggets have really enjoyed following your journey from where you started to where you are now um, and actually i think the really valuable service that you bring in what you do to us as a business community so thank you for that and thank you for joining me on the human conversation lovely thank you again for having me jules cheers and so for the listeners we've come to a, the end of another podcast episode i'm always a bit sad but i'll be making another one very soon you can listen to us on apple podcasts on spotify on soundcloud and stitcher so like and subscribe and never miss an episode Thanks for listening and join us again on The Human Conversation. Ta-da for now. You've just been listening to The Human Conversation podcast with Jules White. To find out more about the other work that Jules does, please visit her website, www.liveitloveitsellit.co.uk. And if you enjoyed the podcast, then please do leave a rating and review on the platform you use to enjoy her show. Thanks for listening and see you next time.